America trapped behind enemy lines. Day number 180. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. It is inexplicable, uh, but very explainable, very understanding. Why is it that the Biden administration is suddenly now reversing themselves and lifting COVID restrictions even in California, if you're fully vaccinated, now New York, except if you're a kid in school, you're stuck with a mask on, which makes no sense whatsoever if you're following science. Um, but why are Democrats in this scramble to reverse course on COVID restrictions? This is a midterm election year, and they think they're going to get clobbered. So what it really means, if you really want to interpret it, is that they'll say whatever they need to say, do whatever they need to do to hold on to power. And that's why they're trying to reverse course. I saw a picture in today's one of the New York tabloids. I forget which one today. And it was probably the post. Uh, they still don't have COVID testing available. The line was a mile long of people wanting to get a COVID test. We ran out of COVID tests over Christmas because they were, oh, we didn't, we didn't see Omicron coming. They said they actually said it. Uh, monoclonal antibodies. They're now literally taking away Regeneron and Eli Lilly and the temporary use authorization has now gone away. Now they originally provided these supplies to the federal government. The Food and Drug Administration granted emergency use authorization for monoclonals, which to me are the gold standard in terms of, but check with your doctor, in terms of if you get COVID, a breakthrough case, unvaccinated, doesn't matter, in terms of, you know, literally stopping their lab-made proteins providing antibodies early to fight COVID faster than your body can make them, which has tremendously reduced the risk of hospitalization and death. And, for example, at the end of November, as Omicron arrived, you know, the, I think the federal authorization for GlaxoSmithKline's Citrobimab was back in May, and they didn't prepare that either, which is more effective Omicron. I, I mean, it's been one screw up after another. You can't even make up how bad it is. And it is uh, it is sad because people that get sick are needlessly dying when we could be treating them. You know, still there are the most places in this country still are they're in the dinosaur era. You know, oh, you got a positive test. Go home. If your temperature goes up, take two Tylenol to reduce the temperature um, and monitor your oxygen. And if it gets to 90 or below, you probably need to go to a hospital. Well, if it gets to 90 or below, that's probably day seven. And then the problem is it's going to go from 90 to 84 to 80 to 70 in no time. In other words, by the if you follow their protocols, which is reactive medicine, not proactive medicine, uh, you're going to get COVID lung, COVID pneumonia, and then it's a crapshoot. Are you going to get by with oxygen? Will your lungs heal faster than some other people? Or are you going to get put on a ventilator with the, where your odds of living uh, are less than your odds of dying? It's unbelievable. Um, we have been covering this at length on this program, and I always stick by my principles. Research, take it seriously. You know, understand your medical history, your current medical condition. Talk to your doctor, doctors, and, and then make the decision right for you. Uh, on the mask issue, Walensky and Fauci, they, they, they're still pushing the mask mandate. They've been wrong on everything. The same Fauci that said, masks don't work. He said that in March of 2020. Listen. 
we understand what what uh, governors are saying we also want to make sure that people are safe and that the cdc has not amended our guidance right now we continue to recommend masking in schools for everyone we continue to recommend masking in public indoor settings in areas of higher substantial transmission and that right now is everywhere in the country um what are your thoughts on children first of all needing to wear masks at school and what do you think about the possibility we're going to be able to lift? Well, certainly there will come a time, hopefully, later, when we will be able to lift the mask mandate in general, including to school. But we're not there yet. Now, one of the things about Fauci that annoys the hell out of me, besides being wrong the whole time, he's never been on the front lines at all. And he gets all he's the highest paid government official that gets paid to be wrong all the time. Dr. Brian Tyson is the co-author of the book, Overcoming the COVID Darkness. He wrote this with Dr. George Farid, who's been on this program, how two doctors successfully treated 7,000 patients. We're also joined by Dr. Joel Zimberg, a medical doctor, health policy expert. And uh, he had an article in the Wall Street Journal asking the question, why is the White House trying to play doctor? And apparently, uh, I've been hearing rumors about this, but uh, is it true, Dr. Brian Tyson, that you've had enough and you're going to run for office? That's correct, John. I am. I'm running for Congress for the uh, California 25th District. Uh, we've we've had enough. Uh, the medical tyranny is is gone gone uh, far far overreach at this point. So, well, let me know. ask you: Is it a Republican district or a Democratic district? Does it tend to lean left or right? And have you looked at what the redistricting looks like? Because the gerrymandering's been way out of control. Yeah, it's a, it's a Democratic uh, controlled uh, area. Um, they did gerrymander uh, the the new district uh, quite substantially, actually. But, um, you know, my ties with the community and, and the entire district, I think, is something that they, they're not uh, expecting. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've been around this, this whole area my whole life, so most, most people know me, so we'll see what, what we can accomplish. Listen, I admire people that step up, but I have questions about the sanity of anybody that does because you're, you know, you're literally turning your life upside down to do it. But I admire the fact that you are. I know Dr. Oz is doing the same thing in Pennsylvania, trying to get the Republican primary there. Uh, He's leading in all the polls that I've seen so far. Um, Let me ask you, Dr. Zimberg, you wrote this piece for The Wall Street Journal. Why is the White House playing doctor? And when I read it, There's been so much pressure brought to bear on me to tell people, number one, my status, which is none of their damn business, because I believe in medical privacy and doctor-patient confidentiality, and nor do I want to influence people to do things that maybe that that I would do that they may not they maybe they shouldn't do themselves. Uh, the second thing is people wanting me to tell people exactly what to do. You just heard my mantra. I don't tell them what to do except take it seriously, research know their medical history, talk to their doctors. Am I right or am I wrong in that approach? No, you're, you're absolutely right. You shouldn't be doing it, and, and Washington bureaucrats shouldn't be doing it either. I mean, Washington, the uh, Biden administration's HHS and FDA have been micromanaging the availability of the three monoclonal antibodies that have been approved or that were authorized, uh, and they're basically doing it in a way that 
says, we don't trust the doctors, the people like me who went to medical school for four years and then many more years of uh, residency training, we don't trust them to know what's working and what isn't working and what variants are in their communities and are not in their communities. We want to micromanage it and make them available or, or make them unavailable. And, and the, you refer to it, they, the most recent thing they did was pull the emergency youth off use authorizations for the Regeneral and Lilly uh, monoclonal antibodies, which means if we get a resurgence of the Delta variant, or if we get a new variant that is susceptible to those, those drugs are going to be unavailable. Woody, it makes no sense to me. Anecdotally, I know people that had the Omicron variant that did use Regeneron and Eli Lilly monoclonal antibodies. And again, this is anecdotal. Every single person, Dr. Tyson, did well. Yeah, I mean, we've been using all all three uh, monoclonal antibodies in our treatment centers out here. And, you know, what I what I found interesting was they kept telling me that Omicron was the the most um, prevalent, except in our hospitals, 60 percent of the cases in the hospital uh, were Delta variant. And so, you know, again, they pulled it, in my opinion, too soon. Um, again, they're taking our ability to treat sick people away from us. And we've seen this not just with monoclonal antibodies, but we've seen this with, you know, N-acetylcysteine. We've seen this with the uh, Zithromax. Uh, we've seen this with hydroxychloroquine. We've seen this with ivermectin. You know, we've seen this with fluvoxamine. We've seen this with uh, even steroids, uh, inhaled budesonide. Uh, you know, every every treatment option we come up with, the government seems to place restrictions on it, and the pharmacies put restrictions on it, and and it's it's maddening. I I don't understand why the government does not want us to take care of sick people. Let me ask you both about this Omicron subvariant BA.2. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but um, apparently it is far more contagious than the very contagious Omicron original. Um, what do you know about it, Dr. Zimberg, and do you expect the same spread as we had? It's now go, going, it's racing through Great Britain, which is usually an indication it's coming here in big numbers. Well, we don't know yet that much about it, and it still forms a minuscule part of the uh, uh, variants that are prevalent here. But it's about 4%. That doesn't, that, yeah. that doesn't mean that it's not going to you know, be coming here. And, you know, it seems from the initial reports that it's more transmissible even than Omicron. Uh, but it remains to be seen uh, what that will mean in terms of uh, the seriousness of the illness that it causes. And also, Here's... of course, we don't know how, how it will respond to the various treatments, and we don't know what the vaccine immunity will be and the natural immunity will be relative to it. Here's the earliest report that I have on this, if you're interested. It says, according to public health experts in both Denmark and the U.K., the variant appears to be between 30 and 34 percent more infectious than the currently uh, dominant Omicron. Uh, a recent Danish study also found that this new Omicron variant was relatively better in the sense of infecting vaccinated people, indicating the subvariant of Omicron has greater immune evasive properties. Dr. Tyson. Yeah, I mean, so again, you know, whether the spread of this is is, 
you know, the issue or not, I think more we need to be looking at the severity of disease. Um, you know, Omicron out here, when, when we saw it, it basically was just an upper head cold. Um, and that was a good thing. Uh, we didn't see the, the high hospitalization rate that everybody was expecting. So I'd be interested to see more what the hospitalization rate, ICU rate, and death rate is out there uh, compared to the Omicron that just went through. Um, and we're not it, getting if, any if, of those data yet. If GSK citrovimab seems to be the monoclonal antibody of choice for Omicron, wouldn't it be logical? And you you went to med school, you did the residency and internships, both of you, not me. But in my mind, I would think that GSK citrovimab would probably be effective against this Omicron, this new Omicron variant. Is that faulty thinking, Dr. Zimberg? No, it's not faulty at all. And in fact, early on, back at uh, the end of November, when the uh, HHS first put a pause on the availability of citrovimab, uh, it, it really made no sense because that was a point at which uh, Omicron appeared to be gaining steam. And uh, there was real reason to doubt because of the 30 and more uh, various mutations on the spike protein of the virus that the other two an uh, antibodies were going to work to Regeneron and Lily, but we knew that the citrovimab uh, targeted a different part of the spike protein, one that didn't mutate as often, and it was thought that that would preserve its its effectiveness even against Omicron. And and I think this, you know, it it happens to be something that was originally developed against the original SARS virus. Uh, so, you know, it, it from 2003. So it's, there's every reason to believe that it would probably preserve its effectiveness against this Omicron subvariant. I mean, it, it all gets confusing to people. All right, quick break. More with Dr. Tyson, Dr. Joel Zimberg on the other side. Uh, Dr. Tyson and Dr. Fareed's book, uh, Overcoming COVID, the COVID Darkness, How Two Doctors Successfully Treated 7,000 Patients. Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. We continue with Dr. Brian Tyson. He, along with Dr. George Fareed, authored the book Overcoming the COVID Darkness, How Two Doctors Successfully Treated 7,000 Patients, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. By the way, Dr. Tyson in California is running for Congress, and Dr. Joel Zimberg, who wrote a great piece in the Wall Street Journal. I know more people, Dr. Tyson, that have gotten COVID now twice. And now that we know that vaccinated, unvaccinated, if you're fully vaccinated and have a booster, you're still getting Omicron. You're still getting infected. If you have natural immunity, you're still getting infected because I know so many people that have gotten it twice. Um, do you see an endemic in sight in any way as Fauci was predicting? Because I don't trust Dr. Fauci or the NIH or the CDC or Walensky or Joe Biden or Kamala Harris at all on this topic. So, I mean, my opinion on that is I would imagine if we quit vaccinating in the middle of a pandemic, I think we can, uh, you know, stop uh, causing the, the, the variants uh, to keep changing. Um, you know, out here now, numbers are falling extremely rapidly, just like we saw that, that big spike. Now we're seeing a, a huge decrease in cases out here uh, in our area. So, 
I mean, it may be endemic, um, and that's fine if it's, you know, the common cold that we see with, like, the other five coronaviruses that we normally see. Um, I don't, again, don't see it as a problem. Those being reinfected, all the cases seem to be extremely, extremely mild, uh, and that's a good thing. I want to thank you both, Dr. Tyson. Thank you. Congratulations on two things, running for Congress. By the way, if you want to get a hold of this book uh, that he co-wrote with Dr. Dr. Fareed, Overcoming the COVID Darkness, How Two Doctors Successfully Treated 7,000 Patients, um, you can get it on Amazon.com. We'll throw it up on Hannity.com and in bookstores everywhere. Uh, Dr. Zimberg, great writing in the Wall Street Journal. We appreciate both of you being with us today. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you. Appreciate it. Quick break, right back. Got the show 24-7. Download it to your iPod. Be a Hannity Insider at Hannity.com. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. I mentioned earlier, now Democrats are quickly as possible trying to reverse their their themselves and reverse course on, on COVID restrictions ahead of the midterm. Then they're lying and telling you, oh, we, we, we were always been pro law enforcement and we never supported defund, dismantle, no bail laws. Oh, no, that's not us. They're lying. It's an election year. I'll give you another case in point. Beto Bozo O'Rourke. Remember he said, hell yeah, we're going to take away your assault weapons. Remember that moment? You said, quote, Americans who own AR-15s and AK-47s will have to sell them to the government, all of them. You know the critics call this confiscation. Are you proposing taking away their guns, and how would this work? I am. If it's a weapon that was designed to kill people on a battlefield. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. Oh, now he's running for governor in Texas. It didn't work out well the first time, so let's reverse course, shall we? Listen. I'm not interested in taking anything from anyone. What I want to make sure that we do is defend the Second Amendment. I want to make sure that we protect our fellow Texans far better than we're doing right now, and that we listen to law enforcement, which Greg Abbott refused to do, turned his back on when he signed that permitless carry bill that endangers the lives of law enforcement in a state that has seen more cops and sheriff's deputies gunned down than in any other. Oh, that's what you call, there's a word for it. There's words for it. Election year conversion. Now, usually what happens if people fall for the lie, um, then they get in office and then they go back to the real position that they help, they hold. That's what the, that's what usually happens. It's so sickening to me. You know, the only good thing is, you know, Joe Biden can claim all he wants that he's never supported. He's always supported the cops, never supported defund. But he is on record. There is tapes out there. Oh, yeah, of course, I would redirect monies away from the police and, you know, police become the enemy. And Kamala Harris, her tweet will never go away of supporting the Minneapolis bail fund or praise of the LAPD for uh, defunding. Uh, 
that department and and cutting back on money spent for the police they're just they're just phony hypocrites and why is it i saw this article i'm like looking at this whole story out in california where bay area san francisco homeowners landlords are being asked to take in homeless people well nancy pelosi lives there she's she lives in a gated community she lives you know in a multi multi-million dollar home surrounded by other multi multi-million dollar homes Anyway, the mayor, nonprofits, they're trying to prod residents and landlords to take in one of the nearly 30,000 homeless individuals in the five-county area. Well, I would like to see Nancy Pelosi go door-to-door and ask her neighbors to adopt a homeless person. And she could start by doing it herself. I mean, it, it, this is insanity. Just like, you know, they lied about, oh, well, when we when we were talking about giving away um safety kits and and safe smoking kits and et cetera we, we didn't really include uh you know uh, crack pipes we did include needles in that and we did include alcohol wipes and lip balm in that okay 30 million dollars in lip balm and alcohol wipes really they're just lying through their teeth by the way npr got the crap kicked out of them yesterday for their take on emojis and how uh, some can supposedly d- denote white privilege. The article headline, which skin color emoji should you use? The answer may be more complex than you think, claiming that white people using the common yellow-handed thumbs-up emoji can actually suggest ignorance of white privilege. And, I mean, okay, where are we going with this? If you think things can't get crazier, they are. I mean, we have we have a party in this country that is so, you know, bat Adam Schiff crazy that they're just they they have lost it. We've got to get this country back on track. Eighth graders are given an assignment. What's the assignment to use pizza toppings as metaphors for sex acts such as olives equaling giving oral sex? I'm not making this up. The students at John F. Kennedy Middle School recently received the pizza and consent assignment, which asked students to compare their favorite pizza toppings to their favorite sex acts. We can use pizza as a metaphor for sex, the assignment says. When you order a pizza with your friends, everyone checks it out and each other's preferences, right? Well, the same goes for sex. It then provides the children with a section to list their favorite pizza toppings, their favorite sex acts. You know, like cheese equals kissing, uh, dislikes, olives equals oral sex. Should I keep going or do you get the point? By the way, Adele is now under fire being accused of transphobia. Anyway, she's a great singer. She's funny as hell. I actually watched a documentary on her short of not not the Oprah interview. I'm talking about a, a documentary. And anyway, so she was at the Brit Awards. She collected the prize as artist of the year a newly created category that merges the best male, best female artist awards. In other words, you don't have, you don't separate it any longer. She said, I understand why the name of this award has changed, but I really love being a woman and being a female artist. I do. She said to cheers. I'm really proud of us. I really am. Boy, can you imagine if she sang Helen Reddy's song, I am woman, hear me roar. Good grief. Um, we're just we're just getting really we're beginning to lose it as a society here. And it's it's now gone from bad to worse, from bad to worse, etc.
There is a, a covert group of uh, undercover operators of moms. It's a network to expose indoctrination programs plaguing private schools across the country. What they're doing is that they're taping what's going on in the classroom. And guess what? It's working. All right, let's get to our busy phones. New York, Pat is uh, next on the Sean Hannity Show. Pat, glad you called. Hi, Mr. Hannity. Thanks for taking the call. I was calling regarding the removal of mass mandates in New York New York uh, State schools. Yes, sir. And a soundbite I heard from... Uh, Kathy Hochul yesterday, where she said, uh, you know, basically adults can make their own decisions, but children need adults to help uh, look out for their health. I think she's 100% right. Children do need help from adults to look out. Yeah, for they're called mommy and daddy. Exactly, exactly the point I was going to make. And it, it shouldn't be politicians in Albany or Washington that are making those decisions. Uh, you know, I think if they really want to be concerned about the health of children, uh, they should look uh, at what the real need is, which is the staggering emotional and mental health crisis that's affecting the children over the last two years. Uh, yeah, I mean, we went with... over all the side effects we've gone through. Again, we're following the science, the science from John Hopkins, and it, it has had a, a negative impact. All of these draconian measures, shutdowns, masks, et cetera, it's had no impact on saving lives, but a negative impact in every other way uh, in terms of people's mental health especially kids mental health they, they can't even yeah. recognize their friends with these masks plastered all over their face for crying out loud and they, they are if we're looking at the science the least susceptible to any covid related significant illness and most kids i know and parents that i know that have kids whose kids have gotten covid it's like they get the sniffles you know, it's if you look at the numbers, it's right on par with getting influenza with children. And yet they're not following the science. They only follow the science when convenient. Elena is a nurse in Florida. Uh, Elena, how are you? Glad you called. Thank you so much, Sean, for having me on. Um, I just wanted to make a comment. I called in yesterday, actually, and wanted to um, just reinforce something that you had said, talking to that one trucker who, uh, you know, is not sure what to do. And I just wanted to say that you made a comment about if they realized how much leverage they actually had. And that is my my basis for calling in today. I have always believed I'm a nurse here in Jacksonville, Florida. I actually work for one of the largest home health companies here. And we've been handling everything as business as usual. But in December, they did try and mandate, you know, that we either do a religious exemption or we get the shot. And, um, you know, thankfully I have a governor who stood up for us and said, no, we're not going to do this. And, and so I was lucky enough to keep my job. And, but, you know, I feel bad for people who live in areas where their state representatives will not stand up for them. And as a nurse, you know, I don't feel like it's right for anybody to mandate because the evidence is not out there. They're not giving informed consent. And so I just wanted to reinforce and say to those truckers in, in Canada and to the truckers here that may be standing up, when we had that defeat the mandate in Washington, D.C. on the 23rd of January, I made a point, even though I don't have mandates here, to drive up there. I drove 22 hours in a two-day weekend to be able to march in that, to show support to others. And I really feel if people would, you know, you can't run hospitals without home health, uh, you know, nurses. You know, when 
the little people stop doing the jobs that all these elites feel are beneath them. You know, if people would stand together and realize us as the worker bees, if we banded the power that we have. So I just wanted to call in and just say I want that one trucker and all the truckers to know that there are so many people out here that are so supportive because if you have that one person who's willing to stand up, no matter what the financial consequence may be, that strength, you know, the land of the free and the home of the brave, it takes brave people to stand up when it's not politically correct and stand up for themselves no matter what. These truckers that are in, you know, Canada, the media makes them seem like they're, you know, they're racist and they're causing trouble. But no, that's the, no, the, the media and that's Justin Trudeau. And there's no evidence at all whatsoever that that's true. And I agree 100 percent with that. And I will tell you, when I went up to the mandate, March on Mandate in Washington, everything that was reported, it wasn't against vaccines. I've promoted vaccines. All my children have had vaccine. It is this particular vaccine, but it's against somebody else telling me I have to put something in my body. And then the media did portray it as we were an anti-vax movement. So I just Listen, wanted to you know, the, I, I really feel the worst for people like you and other hospital workers, because in the middle of this, you know, the, the worst of this, you're diving on COVID grenades every day, and you're working in a COVID Petri dish. Um, yes, if you didn't get it, you don't have to disclose to me. I believe in confidentiality on, on medical issues, only if you want to. But every everybody that I know that worked in a hospital got it. Every one of them. They all ended up it. getting it. I'm sorry? I did not get it when it originally came through, but I will tell you this. I had a 50-year-old sister. Her name is Tracy Bauer. She's a beautiful, wonderful person. And she died last August 14th of COVID. She went to an ER four days before she died, and they did nothing for her. They didn't do a chest X-ray on her. They didn't do anything. And there is documentation on the CDC websites that show ivermectin showed promise and they knew it as of April and May and June of last year. My sister was sent home to die and nobody cared. And it wasn't because of COVID. It was because of she got terrible health care. She got little to no education. And four days prior, and then the doctor who was floating, a gynecologist in the ER trying to get some extra hours, wouldn't even sign her death certificate. She sat in a cold storage for six weeks. Oh, gosh. Because nobody would sign off that, you know, this is what we're doing. And the people that make these, I had a police officer that stood in my uh, my mother's home for two hours and would not allow us to even walk into my sister's bedroom. Even though I looked at him and said, listen, I'm a nurse and I understand that you're worried about COVID. But at this point, she's nope. not even breathing. I, I, I listen, I understand the hospitals were overwhelmed. I understand, you know, at some point the the patients on ventilators, for example, the, their problem isn't COVID anymore. COVID has long since come and gone, left left in its wake. The damage to the lungs known as COVID pneumonia, mm-hmm. COVID lung, et cetera, which uh, if you're forced on a ventilator, it ain't good. I have I do know people that have gotten off them successfully and have thrived, um, but it, it's not the majority. I, I can. It's just sad that the heroes of this pandemic, people like yourself, people that you work with, 
the truckers that trucked, the packers that packed, the farmers that farmed, the people that made all the medical equipment that we needed, all the PPE, now all of a sudden are the enemy. And now they're punitive measures taken against them. I, I can't think of anything more wrong or absolutely outrageous. Hey, Ed, thanks for all your Thanks for diving on those COVID grenades. No, uh, by the way, if, if it was my job, hell, I wouldn't want to do that every day. Diving a it's COVID very grenade. Hard because as a nurse, you not only carry your own, you know, scares and fears, and you take no, on I your get patients. It. I got I to gotta run. We're up on a hard break here. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. The voice of this program, the Sean Hannity Radio Show, Scott Shannon is going to join us. You're going to love this segment.